good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, welcome along this morning. Glad you're here. Glad to be with you uh, this morning. It's always an honor to get back to uh, down around this area here. We call this Mexico down here. Sorry. Hey? Oh, well, you must call them Mexicans. We call anybody south of our borders Mexican. <laughs> but no, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, yes, yeah, so I wanted to uh, open the Word of God with you this morning to Hebrews chapter 2, if you would please. Hebrews chapter 2. And so let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and then verse 1 and we'll pray. Hebrews 2, we're looking at verse 1 and uh, it says, Therefore we ought to give them more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Father, speak to our hearts this morning from the word of God in such a day as we live in and for such a time as this, I pray, Lord, we'll be more fervent about the word of God and we ask, Lord, that uh, you'd work in this community here. I pray, Lord, that you'd use this church as a lighthouse, Lord. And we use that word lightly as well. And we ask, Father, that you'd undertake, Lord, as the gospel is beamed out through here, that people will be drawn to Christ, to the cross, and that people might get saved. Challenge our hearts anew this morning. If there's one here today that does not know you as their saviour, I pray they'd not leave this building uh, before they become a Christian in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, what's the title of the message? Hold on. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. Listen up and hang on tight or hold on tight. And this is an interesting verse here, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. I don't usually give out my titles of my messages, but tonight I'm going to be preaching on changes, challenges, choices, and consequences. So that'll tie in with what I'm speaking on this morning, Lord willing. So we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. As we look at Christianity today, overall we can see what changes have come. I don't want to give away the message for tonight. But as we look at the scripture here for us, the challenge is that we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Glad to have Brother McConnell with us this morning as well. Sort of get a little bit scared up here preaching in front of blokes like this because uh, a man that's been in the Word so long as well, so I need to be sure I know what I'm talking about. But as you look at this here, we ought to give the more earnest heed. That means we need to be really on the alert. We really need to be aware or to beware that we uh, know what uh, the Word of God is saying. We ought to give the more earnest heed. We ought to pay greater attention to what the Word of God says, to the things which we have heard. And I've been talking to the preacher this week and I said I put such an importance on words, phrases, things like take heed, it shall come to pass, it came to pass, fulfilled. These are important words and for years I've been trying to teach the young fellows up the north here, look at these words, don't just read them but look at them. There are real meanings to these words as you read through the Bible in context You'll see how all of this just ties in together. And so therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed uh, to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. In other words, 
we better hang on to what we are listening to, what we're hearing, what we uh, have heard we need to pay greater attention to because I tell you what, there's so much stuff in the Word of God that people just let it uh, drift by. You sit down to read your Bible and if you don't pay attention to what you're reading, you'll read a whole chapter and you'll think, hang on a minute, what did I read? And you have to go back and read it again. Do you ever have to do that? Well, you know, if you read it aloud to yourself, I mean, not so you annoy the, the, annoy the neighbours or your wife in the house, just read it aloud to yourself. Your brain is co uh, concentrating on what you're listening to and it's harder to get distracted when you're listening to what you're saying. And so that's one way of giving uh, more earnest heed to the things which you've heard. See the emphasis on heard and the importance on hearing, heeding. Uh, listening, these are other words that are used in the Word of God. So, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed. We ought to pay real close attention to what the Word of God says. Uh, the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Some interesting phrases here to hang on to, to hold on to, is not to compromise, not to capitulate, not to give in. Uh, it's holding out and holding on. Okay? Uh, they'll throw all sorts of arguments and all sorts of things at you to try and get you to compromise, to get you to capitulate, to get you to rethink things. And look, we're under attack up there. We've got people saying, well, maybe we need to have another look at the, this, you know. That's what happened with the SSM debate here a few years ago. We said if they get this uh, SSM through, it's not just that they want this issue, they'll want everything else. I said in, from the pulpit up there, I said, next thing you know, you know what they'll be saying about uh, people that are perverts and that? They're saying, you know, we've been too hard on these people. I think we need to have another look at this. Uh, maybe we need to soften our language a little bit. Maybe we need to reinterpret this and maybe we need to redefine it. That's where we are today in Christianity. Christianity is taking the old-fashioned fundamental tenets of the faith and they're trying to weaken them, water them down, redefine them. And that's dangerous because that's taking people away from the truth of God's word. So that's why we need to hold on to what we've heard, hang on to what we've got and hang on tight. No compromise. We need to pay the more earnest heed lest at any time we should let them slip. Now, let them slip is an interesting phrase. It's like if you are in a boat and you see a hole in the boat and you think it's very entertaining there to sit there and stand there and watch the water until blah, 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 blah. What's going to happen? The boat's going to sink, right? So what you have to do is plug the leak, not just stand there and watch it just, you know, fill up with water and go... <clears throat> this is what this word, uh, let them slip. Don't let things uh, pass you by like that. It's like sand through the hourglass. You know, I've got to get this done before the sand finishes running through the hourglass, but instead you stand there and watch it going... Rrr, rrr. You know, you don't do that. We've got a time limit to get some things done. We need to get it done. Uh, you know what it's like trying to tell kids you need to get this done before such and such a time. And, you know, it's the same with the Word of God. We better take care that we're not just standing there watching the, the leaks, you know, uh, cause us to sink. We don't want to be overflown by uh, all the compromise and all that that's going on. We need to stand up. We need to fight. You know, the fight is on. These are biblical terms. And so we are in a battle, so we really do need to take a stand. Uh, it's like 
I've got written here, it's watching things flow by, a great possession. How would you be if you know if you drop something in the in the river and oh, that's my prized possession, you try and get it back, wouldn't you? How many people have dropped their iPhones in the drink? Too late, you know, <laughs> we've done that. But if you saw something flowing by that was your prized possession, you're gonna try and retrieve that. You're not going to let it go by, and that's the same thing here. You're not going to let the truth go by. You're not going to let it go, be compromised. You're not going to let it uh, be washed away, but you're going to not let it depart or uh, glide by. You're going to hang on to it. You're going to retrieve it. So that's another word that's used here. Uh, so it's 1 Thessalonians 5.21. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, if you turn there, thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.21. So we ought to give the more earnest heed and uh, not capitulate, not compromise. We're going to hang on to what we've heard, what we believe. We're not going to make concessions on it. We're going to stand up on uh, the truth of God's word and we're not going to be apologetic for God's word. That's what's happening in modern Christianity. Uh, so many preachers down through the years have started to apologise for the word of God and for God. We don't have to apologise for the word of God. God says some things in the word and we need to just stand by that. It's like you get to Isaiah 53. There are some preachers that apologise for Isaiah 53 because there are phrases used in Isaiah 53 that some Christians do not like. Like it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Don't just flip over there a minute. Have a quick look at that. So... Do we back away from that? No, we don't back away from it. So are we sadistic? No, we're not sadistic. So if you read Isaiah 53 in uh, uh, context, and I know Andrew Lewis would have a problem over there with this uh, witnessing to people, but if you look here in Isaiah 53, it says down here uh, in verse 4, he was smitten of God, right? And you look on down in uh, verse 6, it says, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, in verse 8, the uh, last part, it says, For the transgression of my people was he stricken. In verse 10, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now, this is not a sadistic God we serve. This is something that the Lord Jesus Christ had to go through for you and me. He paid the price. He took our punishment. He took the affliction. And uh, he gave us grace. He gave us eternal life through his uh, suffering. First Peter 2.24 and 3.18 it says down here, God said he'll see the travail of his soul in verse 11. He shall be satisfied by his uh, knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear uh, their iniquities. So he went to the cross bearing my shame, my sin, took my guilt, took my punishment for me. God was the one that punished his own son in my place. People may not like that, but that's the fact. That's the truth of the matter. And, you know, the modernists and the liberals and uh, weak uh, and compromising Christians don't like that. But that's a fact. Uh, he stood in my place. That's why we believe in the substitutionary death of Christ. He stood in my place. He died in my place on the cross. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. All right, we get to 1 Thessalonians 5.21 or we get distracted? <laughs> that does happen sometimes. Sorry. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21. 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 21, it says, Prove all things. Again, it says, Hold fast that which is good. 
How many Christians put things to the test? They really try things out, test things out, examine things and put them through the acid test. Well, it says to prove all things. That's an acid test. Make sure it's morally right, it's morally good and uh, it's morally true. We need to do that. Uh, turn over to Philippians 4.8. We live in a world that is so wicked, so corrupt. Incidentally, I can back that up with the word of God too. The Bible calls it this present evil world. But look here in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Paul says to the Philippians, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Paul says, this is what I want you to think on. Now, if you look at the opposite to every one of those things, and that's what the world wants us to think about, that's what the world wants us to look upon, this is what the world wants us to applaud and go along with, to agree with, to acknowledge, to approve of, and we can say, no, we don't go along with all that. Why don't we go along with all that? Because we stand by the Word of God. That is my defence, and that should be your defence. But they're trying to take that away from us as well. They don't want us to have that sort of defence. So that's why we need to prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Get a grip on something say, I'm not going to let this go. Hold fast that which is good because I tell you what, we're losing more and more freedoms, more and more liberties as time goes on. And if you don't speak up in this uh, referendum, you're going to lose a lot more than you've lost already. Okay? I don't know whether you know this, but right now in your state here, there are 40,000 claims for uh, land rights and uh, native title here in New South Wales alone. And that's been on the books for 10 years. And so if the voice comes through as yes, you're going to lose a lot more. So I'm not being political, that's a fact. You need to face that, OK? Look over here, Second Thessalonians 2.15. So hold fast that which is good. Hang on to the word of God. How many uh, things have happened now in pulpits around our country and around the world? We've got women in the pulpit. How did that ever come about? Hello, women preachers, women pastors. Uh, I'm talking to you from the Word of God. The Word of God condemns that sort of thing. You've only got to go to First uh, Corinthians 14. You've only got to go to the writings of Paul to Timothy and Titus. And I'll tell you what, it tells us what the Word of God says. But I've had some of these women up in the north say, well, I don't uh, believe what Paul says. I'd rather listen to what Jesus says. Hello. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 15. Listen, we're in the fight of our life and we really do need to stand up and uh, defend ourselves. And we need to get the politicians on the mat because they're the ones that are making and changing the laws. And you need to pray for them. The Bible says to pray for all those that are in authority, the governments and those that are in authority. Romans 13 says they are the ministers of God. Well, hang on, you need to pray for them that they be doing what God wants, not what the devil wants. And that God would deal with them as he did with Nebuchadnezzar, send him crazy and put him out in the field. Belshazzar, tonight you're washed up, you're going to die. And what did Paul say to Elimas the sorcerer? God strike you blind. And what happened to that fellow that Jeroboam, he put his hand out there to stop that prophet that uh, come in and cursed the altar in the name of God. So he stuck his hand out there. What happened? It froze like that. He couldn't pull his arm back in. See, touch not the Lord's anointed. So you need to pray. 
Get in the Psalms and read uh, the Psalms and see how the psalmist prayed and read how some of the great men of God prayed, even the Apostle Paul. You need to pray for this country. You need to pray for our leaders and you need to pray for lost people to get saved. All right, uh, Second Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, says, stand fast and hold the traditions which have been taught, uh, whether by word or by epistle. This is not the traditions of men. These are teachings that have been handed down. These are precepts that have been handed down to you and to me from this blessed book here. Do not make concessions on them. Do not try to reinterpret them, but take them for the value that they are right there in the Word of God. You'll have people say, well, I've got to have another think about this. No, you don't. God said it. We're to just simply believe it and practice it. So uh, stand fast, okay? Uh, hold the traditions. The word stand, the word hold, it's used so often over here, uh, which have been taught whether by word or by epistle. Biblical teachings, structured teachings. I mean, you can go to churches now where they don't even teach any biblical doctrine at all. It's devotional stuff or it's, uh, it's emotional stuff or it's happy feeling stuff. And really it has no basis in the Word of God because you can just pick it apart uh, from the Word of God. So there, some of these churches don't even preach the Word of God. It's all about feelings. That's one thing they're getting from the world. The world doesn't want facts. It doesn't want truth. It doesn't want evidence. He said, and this is what the media said, it's not about facts and truth and evidence. It's all about feelings. Everything's based upon feelings and emotion today, and that's why they're trying to do away with history. Why would you want to do away with history? Because it reveals the past, the facts, the evidence. If we do away with history, we do away with those things. So now you can see why they want to bury history and want to rewrite history and uh, give us something totally new that's uh, just untrue. So therefore we are to hold to the traditions that we've heard. This is the word of God, whether by word or by our epistle. Systematic teachings, like we teach systematic theology. Uh, the strong foundations that we've learned from the word of God. Colossians 2 and verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Paul wrote to the Colossian church and he said this in verse 8, Beware. That's a big strong warning. It's yelling at the top of your voice like someone is going to get hit by a truck. And you're yelling out to warn them to get out of the road or they get run over. That's that same uh, word there. Beware. Lest any man spoil you. That's like come in and conquer you and take all your possessions. You know, when they conquered the uh, Canaanites and the Philistines, they went and they plundered and they... Uh, spoil them. They took the spoils of war. Beware lest any man spoil you through, watch this, philosophy. Philosophy, ideology, we've got so many of those floating around today, but there's only one philosophy that matters to the believer, and that is biblical philosophy. Okay? Vain deceit, and there's so much vanity going on today, and people are being deceived by vanity. I mean, millions are being ripped off people through vanity, whether it's through uh, advertisements for uh, gymnasiums or uh, physical uh, gym equipment or even if it's cosmetics and all that sort of stuff, it's all about vanity. And people are just so uh, you know, taken up with this. After the tradition of men, that's humanism. After the rudiments of the world, that's worldliness and not after Christ. Beware. These things will enslave you if you're not careful. You need to be on your guard. You need to watch this. Then uh, 2 Timothy 1.13 
2 Timothy 1.13. So hold fast the things which we've heard, lest at any time we'll let them slip. And a lot of things have been let slip over the uh, decades. So 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter... No, what did I say? Yes, yeah, right. 2 Timothy 1.13. 2 Timothy 1.13. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. He told Timothy, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is another one of those interesting uh, verses of scripture where the word hold fast and it says the form of sound words. It's like something that's set in stone. It's like something that's been set in concrete, carved in concrete, uh, patterned in concrete. Uh, it says, hold on, hold fast the form of sound words. Take the Ten Commandments. They were chiseled into uh, stone by the finger of God. This is the same idea here. You'd have to go in there, you'd have to chisel all that away because it's already been set in stone. And you know, the uh, traditions that we've learned, the biblical principles we've learned, they are set in stone, they're set in concrete. Therefore, uh, you just can't do away with those things. An awful lot of work has been done. So it talks about this being a pattern. This is the same word you see, the form of sound words. It's a pattern. We'll talk about God. Uh, we talk the doctrine of God, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the scriptures. These are forms of sound words. These are systematically uh, taught and preached from the pulpit. And so they're set in stone. They're set in concrete. You just can't come along and say, hang on a minute, I don't believe that anymore. We need to change this. We need to update this. We need to modernise this. We need to make some concessions here. That's a bit too harsh. You can't do that. Because it's violating the word of God. That's why it says, hold fast the form of sound words. Now, they're set in concrete. They're set in stone. I told the boys up there in the north, have a look at the word stone and stones in the scripture and rocks. They said, oh, to Jesus on Palm Sunday, tell them to stop. Jesus said, if they stopped, the stones would cry out. Because you imagine stones crying out. And yet we look at the fact that says, you know, this is set in stone. This stone was set up as a memorial. And what did uh, God say to somebody? He said, be sure you write a copy of the law in what? Stone. Set it up as a memorial so that people can read it for themselves. So, I mean, our beliefs are set in stone. They're set in concrete. Therefore, they should never have been altered. So people that have uh, uh, gone along with all this stuff, they've just not paid heed to what they've been taught. They've come along and believed the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and they said, yeah, I'll go along with that. That sounds feasible. So don't make concessions on the word of God. We should never apologise for what God says. The Bible says down here in 2 Timothy 3.13, and we believe this, evil seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You think about the increase of perverts and deviates throughout our society. How do we ever get to that place? Well, if you have to change the law to be able to allow that sort of stuff, right? Uh, so what they've done, they've made good evil and evil good. And so what they've done where once upon a time you were punished, you got capital punishment for killing somebody, we used to execute people in our country here for that. Do you, do you believe that? Do you know that? Some of you young folks may not know this. We used to hang people here in this country for doing the wrong thing. I think the last bloke got hung was it Ryan? 
in the 1960s. Hello, we're not that barbaric. I mean, we're supposed to do this. The scripture says we're supposed to execute people to do that. But no, we've got to rethink this. You know, well, that's a bit harsh. Let's go along and change the law now. We'll take the de definition of life and we'll make, create uh, a sense of, say, 15 years. How do I know that? Listen, my sister was murdered by her own husband. I went to the court case and uh, he was found guilty of murder with malice and they gave him life. 15 years. Now, biblically, he should have been executed. But you see, we don't do that now. See, we've gotten real intellectual. We've gotten real smart. We redefine things. And so what we've done, when we uh, take those things which are law and we change them, we make good evil and evil good, or we water them down, we've perverted the course of justice. So that's what we need to be careful of. And that's what's happening in our country now with politics and laws are being changed to where the course of justice is being perverted. I mean, you'll get prosecuted for being a Christian and standing up for what you believe, but the wicked will get away with it. I mean, they'll criticise you, they'll put you down, they'll just rubbish you, but if you get in there and do the same thing to them, mate, they'll throw the book at you. So we're living in a time where we need to hold fast the form of sound words, realise that evil seducers shall wax worse and worse, Paul said also that uh, 14th verse, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And uh, not only that, he says, uh, being assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Said you had a teacher that taught you the things that you've learned. Wasn't only the apostle Paul, but what did he say to Timothy? There was your mother and your grandmother that taught you the scriptures from a child. We don't see kids in Sunday school anymore. They'd rather have them at little athletics or uh, involved in sporting teams and stuff like that. Hello. We wonder why Jesus said to the uh, people there, you rob the children of the knowledge of going to heaven. That's what's happening. Our kids in our country are being uh, taught all this other garbage and they're being robbed of the knowledge of heaven. All right, look over here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. So this is the reality, why we need to hold fast uh, to the things which we've heard. And we ought to give the more earnest heed. We need to pay more attention to what the Word of God is saying. So evil seducers shall, shall wax worse and worse. We're seeing that. Uh, but it also says down here in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3, The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap for themselves teachers having itching ears. We're at that time right now where people just cannot endure sound doctrine. They don't want the sound doctrine because it's true, it's evidence, and it's fact. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ, for three and a half years of his ministry, went about doing good. How many people, you know, were cured and healed by the Lord Jesus Christ? How many people looked on and saw that? Many people followed after the Lord Jesus Christ. Some came by just to get what they could out of him, John chapter 6. There are others who were genuine. They got uh, converted, they got healed. The ten lepers, they came and wanted to be cured. Jesus cured them. Go show yourself to the priest. And they went off, ten went off. But one came back and fell at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and worshipped him. Gratitude, thankfulness. He said, were there not ten healed, but where are the nine? There's but one return to give thanks. That's the day and age we're living in. 
uh, get as much out of God as you can or get as much out of God's people as you can and this is what they are doing to the Lord Jesus Christ and yet the Bible says in John 12 37 though he had done so many miracles before them yet they believed not on him they saw the evidence they saw the facts they saw the truth and yet they still would not relent and say well okay I've got to admit this is the son of God this is God in flesh I must submit and accept him for who he is the teachers of the Bible of that day, like Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea, they got converted. But there were many that stood by and said, there's no way I'm going to accept this. If I accept this, that means I've got to change. I'm going to have to change my belief. I'm going to have to change my profession. I'm going to have to change everything if I become a Christian. And that's the way it is today. People are like that today. People don't want to uh, uh, yield to the truth or surrender to the truth because it demands a change in their life. I'm a sinful human being. I'm doing sinful things. The Word of God says I should repent, I should turn from my sin and follow the Lord and do what's right. And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. Brother, I uh, talked to him, uh, an engineer one time next door in Ipswich back in the 1970s. And he said, I can't understand you. He said, every time I look out the door, you go to church. <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. He said, why do you do that? I said, because number one, I'm a preacher, but not, not only that, I believe the word of God. He said, ah, what a load of rubbish. He said, if you convince me that the word of God is true, he said, yeah, I might believe it. So he came over one day when I was working on the brakes, brother, and he, uh, he was asking all these questions. So I went through the scriptures from Genesis and I, I pointed so many things out to me. You know what he said? He said, well, you've convinced me. Definitely, the Bible must be true. I said, well, now it's up to you. You have to make a choice. Are you going to do what the Bible says or what? He said, well, you know what? He says, what you've shown me is absolutely true. He said, I can't deny the arguments that you've given. He said, but, you know, well, that means I'm going to have to give up my sin. And he didn't become a Christian. <laughs> but how many people are like that today? So that's why we need to hang on to the truth of God's word, not apologise for the word of God, make no concessions uh, or uh, uh, capitulate on this. The time will come when they'll not endure sound doctrine. We're living there right now. But what's the next verse say? It says, The time will come when they'll turn away their ears from the truth. It's not just a matter of not enduring sound doctrine, but they'll turn away their ears from the truth and will be turned unto... Fables, the Greek word muthos, myths, fairy stories, made up uh, mankind stories. They'd rather believe a story than believe the truth. Hey, that's where we are now. We're, I've got a thing there. Remind me to give you that thing on evolution tomorrow. All these evolutionists are saying why evolution can't be true. Can you imagine that? All these scientists are saying they're evolutionists, but they're saying there's no way evolution can be true. You know, but that's the way it is today. Uh, look over here in Acts chapter 20. We're living in the day and age where people are turning away their ears from the truth and they would be turned under fables. Evolution, uh, feminism, homosexuality, uh, you name it, uh, environmentalism. I mean, the stuff that's uh, thrown at us with environmentalism, boy, I tell you what, there's a whole heap of lies involved in a lot of that stuff, I tell you. And the kids at school would say, Mr. Hong, do you believe in uh, climate change? I said, no, I believe in global warming. I said, you know, uh, thank God every time the, the uh, airports get snowed in in summertime, I say, thank God for global warming. 
You only had you had snow down here in Melbourne what uh, a couple of years ago in Christmas time. Hello, and then it was snowing in September. I thought, thank God for global warming. No, I'd say no. I don't believe all that stuff. Why not? I said, well, you know, I was taught when you went to school, what goes up must come down. If you pump millions and millions of tonnes of stuff into the sky, well, that's mass and weight, isn't it? Well, it was when I went to school. So if you pump millions and millions of tonnes, mass and weight, into the sky, evidently it's got to fall. But then the uh, climate scientists don't even agree on how much falls. Some say 66% falls, some say 33% falls. They can't even agree on that as well. But, yeah, so we're moving away from where we are. Acts chapter 20. So that's why we need to stand up for the word of God and don't believe everything that you're told. You need to say, let me go home and I'll test that according to the word of God. You get into the last uh, few chapters of the book of Job, mate, there are some scientific questions there that you can't even answer and I can't answer. Go read them. The last three or four chapters, I think it is. Yeah. So look down here, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Paul called the Ephesian elders together and this is what he told them here in Acts chapter 20. And in verse 28, he said, Take heed, there's that phrase again, see, Take heed, therefore unto yourselves. Take care of yourselves, watch out for yourself first, because you're the first one the devil's going to get to. All right? You're his target. Take the heed, therefore, to yourselves and to the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, this is not a perhaps, or a maybe, there's a chance this might happen. He said, for I know this, that after my departing, not again, maybe or suppose so, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. He warned the church. He said, you know what? I'm leaving when I'm gone. There are going to be people on the outside. They're going to come on inside here and they're going to try and get in there and get amongst you and scatter the flock and draw away disciples after them. But not only that, he said, there's going to be people in the midst of you that will arise. Your own people, there'll be men arise and they will speak perverse things. And that's why we have to watch out. How do we get to the mess we're in now in Christianity? This is what's happened here in Acts chapter 20. Go to the book of Jude, if you would please. The book of Jude, verse 3. So we need to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard. Pay more attention, hold fast, and get a grip on things and never let them go. Because once you let go of something, you very rarely ever get it back. So yeah, as you look down here in uh, Jude, verse 3. Says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now you've got it, defend it, hang on to it, don't let it go. And that's what he said, it was needful for me to write and exhort you to earnestly contend for the faith. I mean, that word contend there is not pussyfooting around, that means fight for it. Stand up for it. Defend it. I mean, if you, uh, it's actually a boxing term. Get in there and, uh, you know, if you have to get, get in there and roughhouse to uh, stand up for the Word of God, you have to do it. The Word of God commands us to do that. And then, of course, so uh, uh, the Bible says over here to the elders that they were to feed the flock of God with milk, with meat, with uh, doctrine. Did Mike Coglin ever use the term going down to the steakhouse? 
Huh? You never heard that term? Mike Coghlan used to call the local church the steakhouse. That's right. You go down there and that's where you get fed with the meat of God's word. And that'll satisfy your hunger. I mean, the babes come, we feed them with milk. And then the uh, mature ones come, we feed them with the meat of God's word. So Mike would say, uh, God's people need to get down to the steakhouse, mate, and get a good feed. That's what he used to say. He never used that term here. I tell you, it's a wonder. But anyway, the, look over here at the book of Titus, chapter 1. Titus 1 and verse 9. So what you've got is precious. It was paid for at an awful price. So don't let somebody come down here and cheat. And I was telling your pastor here, up in the north, Christianity has been cheapened so badly. Um, they wrote a book about worship. Did you ever see that book? Worship wars. <laughs> a man gave me a copy. They said, this is yours. I said, thank you. He said, I'd like to have a look at it, read it, and see what you think. Well, I looked at the cover and I thought, goodness me, how, how cheap and how low have we got as Christians? Because now we're imitating Hollywood. See? We've taken their fonts, their styles, and copied everything, and we're going to frame that in a Christian context. Hello? And now the titles of the book... Whereas that uh, same uh, thing, Empire, the Empire Strikes Back. You ever heard of that? What's the title of the book? The Choir Strikes Back. <laughs> same fonts, same here. I said, you know, we have really gotten really cheap when we have to copy Hollywood and the music industry to make an impact in society. The world has influenced the church more than the church influenced the world now. And so it's really, really sad how this is all happening. But yeah, go down here to Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. It says, Hold, holding fast the faithful words as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Hey, we're living there right now. We need to stick by the word of God and say, this is what the word of God teaches. Make no apology for it. Don't make any concessions on it. Just say, well, that's what God says. Sorry, don't make any apologies for God. Um, turn to Galatians 1 and verse 6. I mean, this stuff was happening back in the first century. That's why Jude wrote what he wrote. That's why Jesus said, beware lest any man deceive you. Because the devil's out there. He's a deceiver. The Bible says he deceives the whole world. So that's why you need to hold fast the things which you've uh, heard and learned, lest at any time you let them slip. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul writes to the church as plural of Galatia. So this wasn't just one church in Galatia. Guess what? This had filtered through to other churches in Galatia. Now, if you read through here, look at it says in verse 2, and all the brethren which are with me unto the church is, plural of Galatia. This wasn't just a problem in one church. This has now gone into all the churches of Galatia. People have been going in there, sowing this discord, saying this is what you need to do. You can't just get saved. You've got to keep the law of Moses, be circumcised and so forth and so on. Well, look what Paul says here in uh, Galatians 1 6, I marvel that you so soon remove from him that calls you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. See, the devil has another gospel. All right? There's another spirit, another Jesus. So you need to be uh, careful of all that. 
uh, people are being deceived by this other gospel. There's so many other gospels around. The cults are pushing it. Uh, liberals and uh, modernists, they've pushed another gospel. Up there, in, uh, came down from Engadine last week, and I said to Nathan, "Have you seen what they've got on that church outside the uh, outside the church? I mean, they've got rainbow colours painted all over it, but the sign out is, come Sunday and bring your animals, and we'll bless them." <laughs> oh, I'm serious, you know. And, and let me say this in closing today, Chad, with your brother, I was I go to op shops. Don't condemn me if I go to op shops. I find some good things in op shops. There's some bad things there too. But I got to witness to a woman at an op shop the other day, and I was looking at the Bible. She said, oh, Bibles. I just love Bibles. I said, well, that's great. She said, yeah, I, I know so, uh, my second language is English. I thought she was going to say my second language is Greek. But she said, oh, she said, isn't it wonderful that people read the Bible? I said, well, I wouldn't read some of these. I said, they're something, they're just junk. She said, well, hang on a minute. That's, that's the Bible you're talking about. I said, I wouldn't even call some of these Bibles. And she said, well, if you really get like that, I don't really go along with all the stuff the Bible teaches here. It's just a bunch of garbage. I mean, she changed the tune just like that. <laughs> so, you know. Where did I say to go? I wasn't listening. Somebody tell me. Galatians. Ah, Galatians. We got there. All right, Galatians 1, 6, we got there. But, yeah, I was telling you about, I went to the op shop up in... Uh, Rockhampton and as I walked in there I picked up uh, a, a guitar pick punch but that's, that doesn't matter but what I did get was a book it was a book on how to prepare sermons uh, it was two bucks I thought wow I'm going to take this out off their shelf and take it out of circulation it was 1995 originally at Coorong and they dropped the price discounted down to 1495 I've got it for two bucks <laughs> Do you know what? It says how to prepare sermons based on Hollywood movies. You open it up and it gives the title of the movie. It says, now this is the theme of the movie and this is how you can draw an outline of a sermon on this, this and this. Yeah, we know it's R-rated. Yes, it's M-rated and it's PG and all that. I mean, how cheap and how nasty has Christianity got to the place where we have to use garbage like that to prepare a sermon? That's what this is for. So I said to the young fellas, I said to them up there, I hid, the, I hid the title of the book so they couldn't get it on camera, see? Show the fellas, you don't use stuff like this to prepare sermons. You don't go to Christian bookstores to buy garbage like this that Kurong sold. I said, you get into this. This is where it comes from. It's full of the Word of God. It's full of sermons. Just don't be lazy. Get in there and study it out, and God will honour that, and he'll give you the messages said, you know, there's just some verses there. There's a whole sermon just in one verse. You can get an outline of one verse. Sometimes in a whole chapter you can get a whole outline. Hey, we've drifted. That's why we ought to give them more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we let them slip. Don't let them get out of our grip. Just hang on to the things that we believe and hold to. Don't let anybody come in and try and water them down, weaken them or change what you believe because you can't go wrong with sticking by the book. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to stand firm and to hold fast the things which we've heard, the things which we've learned, and we'd never let them slip. We'd never let them out of our grip, but we'd always stand up for the truth. And I pray, Lord, we'd never be apologetic uh, for you or for what your word says. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, my brother.